0: Up next on Inside the SECA, a future star racing on the world stage. Welcome to Inside the SECA. I'm Brian Bolansky. Today, our guests, someone I've been wanting to get on the show for quite some time. And uh, with all of our super tour coverage and all of the other things we've been working on, it's been hard to get everything scheduled. We had her scheduled a couple of weeks ago, and she had some uh, she had a scratchy voice and wanted to sound the best for us. So she uh, said, can you, "Can you give me the week off?" And I'm like, "Yep, absolutely." Um, but I'm really excited to have her with us right now, and our, our guest is I'll see if I get it right, Nicole Haverta
1: perfect that was really perfect actually <laughs>
0: that's shocking cuz one of the running jokes uh with me on our super tour is um is is i get everybody's name wrong uh especially the easy ones like all the polish names which i should get perfectly i get wrong don't ask me how i do that uh it it must be a super skill so uh welcome uh you are coming to us from uh one of my favorite places on earth and uh that would be um that would be Buttonwillow Raceway Park in beautiful Kern County, California, uh, about two and a half miles up the up the, or two and a half hours up the road from me. Uh, what What are you doing at? Uh, well, before I get to that, I actually have to start with the question I start everybody with. Have you watched the show? Yes, yeah, I watched that. OK, so you know what? Guess- you, know, yeah. you know what's coming? Um, how how did you get started in this crazy sport that we love?
1: Well, so it all began. Um, actually, previous, I used to be a swimmer for six years competitively, and I never, I wanted to be an Olympic athlete. And then, uh, my dad goes, uh, me and my mom for a road trip through Europe, had to visit family and all that. And then he was like, let's go see an F1 Grand Prix. And then I didn't want to go. Uh, so, but he brought us there anyways. Um, and I was standing and watching the cars go, and I just fell in love with the sport. Um, and then, I started contacting people and reaching out and all that, and then I got started in go karting, and then it all went from there. So.
0: so you caught what we like to call the itch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um how how old were you when that happened? I believe I was around
1: ten. Okay. So I was I wasn't too young, but I was I was honestly I think I was a good age to start right
0: Because at age ten, though, I mean a lot of folks who start karting are starting karting even before that right
1: oh yeah oh yeah for sure but I believe like when I was swimming I was there for six years and I didn't know I don't want to say it but I kind of got a little bored of it because it's so repetitive right and you kind of want to see where you're going and when I started at 10 I was in karting for I think it was uh, like three years and so I just saw the path go really quick so it it was a little different than being in cardio for six years or whatever.
0: Yeah. I, I do some triathlons. I would not call myself a triathlete, um, but I, I've done some triathlons and all of that training is very repetitive droning oh, along. Yeah. Um, and you either love that kind of stuff or you hate it. Um, oh yeah. And uh, I actually like that kind of solitude and pain that comes with that. Um, but you know, that's uh that's probably a story for a different podcast. Um, so did you have immediate success in karting or, um, no, No, for sure. not. It
1: was, um, well, I mean, I can't say no, but like the first race I ever did, I just, I was at the, in Victoria where I'm from. So, uh, Vancouver Island in British Columbia, um, we went up to an oval track, which they did like little rental karting and stuff. And they had a big race actually for people that brought carts and they were like race cart drivers. And so we were just walking around there and watching, and uh, someone asked, Hey, you wanna actually race? You can race. And I actually did really good. I think I was like top 10 out of like 20 drivers. And it was my first race, and I was like, Holy. And then, but no, I didn't really, I had struggles, honestly. Like, um, there was the best guy at the cart track when I started, and I always looked up to him. But at the start, I'd get lapped by him and I would try to keep getting better. But it's just I kept being lapped. And then I think a year went by and then I just I really worked on racing and um, testing and all that. So I actually was racing him the next year. So it's like I went from being lapped to actually racing the best driver. So I for sure didn't have success at the start.
0: (laughs) Um, What was your. Your biggest challenge when you first got going?
1: Oh, that's I, I don't know. I think everyone can say there's always, like, the budget and all that stuff. But I think the hardest part, I guess it's being a female as well in racing, is not everyone's support to the same and all that. But I don't know. There, there are a lot of challenges. Like, so I'm from the island, like, Vancouver Island, so just off of Vancouver. And we had to take, I think we had to travel six hours every day to the go-kart track which wow. was crazy. So it's like, you know, that was a big challenge for us. And we had to take the ferry, which is horrendous. And it's like really like pricey. And, and then we bought an RV, so it's been more expensive and all that. And, you know, I think the traveling was our biggest challenge because, you know, six hours to a go-kart track and you need to practice every weekend. It's just, it, it was definitely a challenge.
0: And it, when you had that six hours were you towing your go-kart with you or was it the back of the van or how, how did you make that whole thing work
1: no so we started actually how we started we um my dad we always just drove down in a car and stayed in the hotel and the team actually had my go-kart Got it. and then afterwards we actually decided it would be good to fire on go-kart and the, we actually bought an rv so like a little motorhome. um <laughs> it's 24 feet for three people and a dog so wow. he, <laughs> It's squishy, and you know, it's the funniest part is we had it, we we still have it for five years now, and we still now to this day we drive all the way from Vancouver Island all the way down to Millow, like nice. California and stuff, and so we still use it like we tow stuff with it because it's just comfortable, you know, instead of staying in hotels, sure. and, you know, it's so much work, and so we drive all the way down.
0: So, so was mom or dad? Uh, mechanically inclined when you guys, when you started this? Because, you know, sometimes we come from families that, that, you know, have been doing this for a long time and, and we get, we were bored into it. Um, and uh, it sounds like you just had a dad or a mom who were F1 fans and that's how you kind of learned about it, right?
1: Yeah, basically. My dad just, he wasn't really a fan. He just kind of enjoyed it. Like, my mom remembers when her grandpa was actually watching F1 on the TV, like, years ago And it's like, that was nice but they weren't my parents weren't fans they loved cars they had nice cars both we'll still have and um yes my dad uh when i was go-karting he was definitely big into mechanicing he always worked on my go-kart of course we had other like coaches and stuff but he still works on my car to this day you know on the format three and he still changes tires he helps a lot like honestly it's insane to see how much he supports me like There is so much behind the scenes of all, like, you know, marketing me emails. Like we send so many emails every single day and my dad's so into it. And he, he, he has his own company and he calls my company, his second company. So, and he loves it. He's just, I don't know. It's so funny to watch him. Like just, especially when something goes right, when there's something really like a big opportunity or something, he's just like so happy. Like honestly sometimes more happy than me and it's nice to see how he's kind of growing with it and learning as well.
0: So do you have brothers and sisters?
1: Yes, I have a brother. He's but he is thirty three years old. So okay. he, But he supports me a lot. He's into he's always into drifting. So he's oh, cool. still he does autopross. We go we go sometimes together. He takes his uh he he just got actually the other day just got the new manual supra. It's just oh. like really crazy in Canada because there, I think there are like two of them in Canada. Oh, cool! So he just got it, so he's he's really happy.
0: So, uh, what was the step up from from carts to cars?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I was honestly I don't want to say I was really lucky, but I got a really good opportunity with uh. So Mercedes day spends Canada. One day calls my dad at work, and so. Funny story, my dad had a really bad day at work, so he decided to put his legs up on the desk and just uh, drink, uh, he put some Baileys in his coffee. <laughs> and it was a bad day, like two jobs, collided. it was not good, he was angry and all that. And so our safe dance, Canada called him and said, hey, we want your daughter in a documentary. And my dad was like, that's so funny. And he hung up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they emailed him. He was like, oh, whatever. And then they called him again and they were like, and then my dad answered and he was like, okay, what do you want? And they're like, we really want your daughter in a documentary? And that's how it all started. I, a this documentary, this filming crew called me around in carding. They filmed everything and then they filmed me. I did a G4 race in Buttonwillow with AMG 24 4 and we did a three hour endure, endurance race in the night. So, so and that's how it started.
0: So you went from karting to an yes. AMG GT4 car.
1: Yes, at fourteen years old.
0: <laughs> Did you even? I mean, obviously you had to figure out how to shift, right? That was that had yeah. to happen. Were you in shifter carts? No,
1: just uh, junior and senior.
0: So, so you were in direct drive carts, and then your next step up was an AMG GT4 car. That is that is pretty hardcore. Yeah.
1: yeah. It was, it was funny. And the funniest part was, is that, so it was a two week period of time. So the first week we tested in the G4, just to get familiar and all that stuff. And then there was, so it was a three week trip. So the first week we tested the next week I decided, oh, we're in Buttonwillow. Let's just do a Formula four test. So I actually tested in a Formula four car for three days the next week. And then the next week we did the, the endurance race. So it was, it was a full week. So it was, it was really fun
0: so I guess my question is why did Mercedes call you
1: because so it was a documentary about three girls okay. so there's Mead's youngest and then there's the other girl was I think she is 20 she was 25 at the time and then a 35 year old okay so they're all connected to female racers and they just wanted to do a documentary about female racers and the and then yeah, I went from there. They filmed my Form S3 experience and all these things and winning and all the success. Like, they filmed um, the W series. I did W series tests, so they got all that. And it should be released soon, the documentary. Well, now they call it a film, so it's the movie. Okay. It's going to be, I think it's going to be 90 minutes, so it'll be nice and month.
0: Very cool. Well, you'll have to let us know so that we can put that information in our show notes. Um, Definitely when that comes out and how we can how we can see it and all that kind of stuff. So uh, sure. so so okay, you go from direct drive carts when you sit in the AMG G T three or four car the first time. What's going through your head?
1: I actually asked my dad before I got in, I was like, Are you sure they trust me? Are you sure I should be doing this? Like I'm fourteen. I don't have a driver's license. I don't have anything. Well I have a racing license, an SPCA license. That we applied for, and um, I was, honestly, I got so used to the car. Like, right when I sat in, I was, of course, nervous because I've never used the clutch before. And, and the Mercedes, you have to use the clutch to engage first here and right. come to a stop. So, it was a struggle, but I, I learned it. And, and then I was just, it was like I was born into it. It was so natural.
0: So, was that a paddle shifter? Uh, yeah. Did you do any? Did you do any like sim racing in in a paddle shifter GT car?
1: Yeah, yeah, I for sure did at home before, so I'd be prepared.
0: How much did that help you?
1: A lot, tremendously. Like every day, like I was testing like crazy before uh, Laguna. So Laguna is this weekend, so I was testing like crazy prior. So um, it it helps a lot. Like honestly, just learning the track, learning the car, learning like what the limits are. Of course, you don't know, like, it's not the same, but it's really, really smart.
0: And, and I suppose at age 14, you don't know what you don't know, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So was the first time ever with a clutch in that car or did you do something with dad around the, a parking lot at home before you got to the track the first time when you realized what, what you were getting yourself into?
1: Well actually uh we went to in Vancouver there's a track called Mission Raceway okay. um and uh we actually rented a is a manual Miata it was like a little little car that was my first ever with the whole you know the whole manual with Got the it. stick and all that it it was interesting <laughs> <laughs> but it, it went okay
0: <laughs> when i was a kid they take you to the high school parking lot you know and 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 dad would pray that you didn't blow the clutch out when you were learning how to drive a stick shift. So yeah. um, that was always the excitement for, for us when we learned for the first time. But but to go from carts to really never driving much of a car at all yeah. to the first race car is not a Formula Ford, not a Spec Miata, not a Spec Racer Ford, not kind of the traditional next step up cars right into that big, heavy... And I mean, the, the weight difference between the cart and the AMG... A Mercedes, it, it's got to be, it's got to be 3,500
1: pounds. <laughs> it is heavy. You feel it like in the corners, like going from the GT four to the Formula form is crazy. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was very different.
0: Was there power steering in it? Yes. Okay. That certainly helps.
1: Very, very helpful. ABS is nice. Fraction oh yeah. Control. Very nice.
0: Um, and then from there, what was the next step? Because I know now you're doing the F well you start I think you did F four and now you're in F three, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did only I did only a little testing in F four and then um, after the G P four race, uh, we decided that we would actually buy a Formula three because of the Halo. Because the Formula Fours don't have Halo's right now and we know that we would lose a lot of money if we bought a Formula Four and right. then we would try to resell it right It's no halo and all that sure. and so also the format three you have to like i think we did a good thing because i think it was last year we took all of last year to really test like to really get to know the car and blah blah because it's a lot of power and to go from like go-karting straight to format three is a lot and i think like even if you go from format four to format three it's a big step like to really get used to the power and I think we did good. Like just to go straight to Formula Three, and I don't know. That's that's at least why I think we did good. And I'm having fun in Formula Three, and that was actually my my step. I just skipped Formula Four. I didn't race Formula Four at all. I just went straight to Formula Three.
0: Right, right, right. Well, I see, and I suppose it wasn't as big of a deal because of the time you spent at the Mercedes. That the power difference. Obviously, was dramatic between the four and the three, but you'd had that time in that big, heavy, fast car. That yeah. uh, it didn't uh, it didn't really surprise you as much as it might have. I think probably your bigger problem would have been to figure out when to hit the brakes, you know, and and when to turn in because there's nothing, you know, the Formula Three car would be much closer to a cart than than the than the Mercedes. Um, that probably was your your bigger learning curve. Of, of what would be an enormous yeah. learning curve, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting, though, because the GT4 is really, it's like the same speed as the Formula 4. So you're basically, it's very, very similar. And then when you get to the GT3, that's the same as Formula 3. So it's, it's of course, getting used to the weight of the GT4 is, like, crazy. Like, carrying speed. like, you, I think, you carry twice as much speed in corners with a formula car than a sports car. So it's uh it's it's very different.
0: So I first came across you at Buttonwillow. Um was were you at Buttonwillow last year? Cuz I know I saw you you won both yeah. of the races this year I think, right? Yeah. So yeah. I I first saw you last year and I noticed that, you know, um uh, it, it shouldn't be this way, but when I when I see a lady on the, on the entry forum, it piques my interest. I'm, I'm the father of a, of, a of, of, of a young daughter. And, um, uh, and so I, I take notice and I saw you doing your thing and you had a good weekend, but it wasn't anything spectacular. And then this year you came and you won both races. And I'm like, okay, what what, what's happened? Let's talk a little bit about this. Um, yeah, what, um, what's the learning been just from last year to this year?
1: lot of testing and that's what it's been just a lot in the heat getting to know what the tires do um just learning you know all the power like when you can actually get on throttle where the grip is the aero is huge like the aerodynamics it's like it like you think about that if you're oversteering that you have to lift off throttle that's what you always think but with an aerodynamic car you want to actually get on throttle because the car will start spotting so it's, you know, learning these things. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of time spent in that car. But it's always good to test a lot.
0: Um, Is that testing program part of, part of your sponsorship to you?
1: Uh, sort of. Sort of. We're, we're sponsored uh, with a sum of money, and we can choose to do whatever we want to do.
0: Got it. So, Got it. Yeah. And w- so which series are you doing this year?
1: So currently, I'm doing the Formula Pro USA Series, which is the West Coast for Formula 3. And then hopefully, we'll get to do some on the East Coast as well. So Formula Regional Americas, which is the bigger series. And um, also, we're hoping last year, we did the Indian Racing League Championship. And hopefully, we're going to do that this year as well. They're thinking about it. And uh, hopefully, we'll go to India again for five weeks. So that would be a lot of racing.
0: Well, that brings me to my next question. Uh, obviously, not obviously, but we talked earlier and, and you mentioned that you have international racing aspirations, but they're not really aspirations because you've already done it. Um, yeah. You went to, to India, you raced in, in, in their series for five or six weeks. Tell me about that.
1: I was crazy. <laughs> I was not expecting that. So how it happened, they obviously just called up and asked if you want part of it and I, I was kind of skeptical, honestly, like thinking about like, you know, going to India, like it's a different country and I didn't know racing was big there. And, um, but when we got there, it was really, it was really cool actually to see, to meet the drivers there. So they had, um, Le Mans race winner drivers, uh, Porsche factory drivers, Red Bull factory drivers, all these really, really good drivers. And they also brought, so they brought six girls and six international drivers, then six, local drivers so okay. there was a mix of everything and we had to so i had to share a car with another guy and uh so we had to do a driver change and in the second race and so it was like a 30 minute race and then we did driver change and then it was really really cool like to meet all the people we raced on the formula e track in the it was a street circuit and it was it was cool, like for five weeks be with those people and um, you know, it's just cool learning.
0: And what were you racing what was the cars that you were racing in India?
1: Um, it was a Wolf GP 8 It's like it's an open wheel car. Okay. Well, actually it's an open cockpit car, but closed wheels. So, so
0: it's kind it's of like, a like prototype. Like a sort of. prototype. Okay.
1: Yeah, sorta. Of. Yeah.
0: Okay. And and was it a series of races or was it one race that you went and did?
1: No, it was so it was five weekends, okay. well, five weeks, and then five weekends. So we did what is that, fifteen races?
0: Sure, sure. And how and how did you do?
1: Uh so I got eleven out of twenty nine drivers. Okay, so it was it was really good, especially my first kind of first year in racing
0: cars. So okay. in actually really good so i understand the uh, the 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 difficulties it is to or or women having opportunities to to race here in the states and and in europe um how were you accepted in india
1: it was actually really interesting because everyone all the spectators that came wanted to take pictures with me and with all the other girls and is because it's so shocking to them to see girls in the sport and it's very nice to see it, like and you know, it's you know, I know I'm trying to pay attention to like the whole thing with women in moral sports right. and all that stuff. You know, like what I always say is, you know, you put your helmet on, doesn't matter what gender you are. Right. It really doesn't like it's you in the car and I think a lot of people sometimes like over like judge that and all that and talk about it a lot but I think, you know, it's great being a woman in the sport. You got a lot of supporters like um, my main sponsor. Well, one of my sponsors from Canada, he supports me because I'm a woman motorsport. motorsports. So that's, that's basically why he supports me and he wants to see me yeah. be the first woman in Formula One. So
0: That would be fantastic, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, it would be really nice. <laughs>
0: uh, every time I, I've had um, a woman on the show and we've We've, sometimes we talk about this, sometimes we don't. Um, the answer that you gave is is fairly similar to everyone else. You know, you don't want to be judged as a woman race car driver. You want to be judged as a race car driver. It is hard to get around, though, that that is part of what the, what the narrative is. Um, but everyone I have talked to, though, does um, really smile from ear to ear when I ask them about what's it like when a young girl walks up to you and doesn't, and is like shocked or interested or intrigued, or, you know, has that kind of hero look in their eye, like looking at you and saying, I'd love to be able to do something amazing, maybe be a race car driver.
1: Yeah. It's honestly really nice. Like, I got it a lot. Like, when I go back to the kart track, like, when I started karting, there were not many girls on the track because that was a while ago and, it wasn't too big and you know formula one wasn't too big and um and you know i go back to the kart track now and like i see so many young girls like trying to get into the sport and you know also watching their brothers uh racing and i'm like you should go go try it like it's it's fun like you can make it there too like all the girls sometimes think like oh it's just for guys like the sport and you know it's not like some girls come by um, our garages and they're always like, oh, that's so cool. Like, it's really nice to do that. And I think, like, we do need more women in the sport for sure. And especially younger ones too. So, yeah, it's nice to see the younger girls coming around.
0: All right. So F1 is the goal. Yeah. That takes some stuff. It takes some yeah. money. It takes some experience. It takes some luck um a lot of different things obviously it takes going to europe um when uh how old are you 17 17 high school graduate yet yes or no
1: no that's okay. next year
0: next year okay so w- what is the plan to get to europe what's how is that going to work out for you
1: we're definitely working on it um <laughs> got some interesting plans Possibly for next year. I can't say much. Um, if something goes through, that would be amazing. Um, of course, there's always budget, you know? Of course. And I think that's what we work on so much, especially my dad. You know, emails after emails, like contacting, like you have to have the right sections in the sport to make it somewhere. Like, you know, we go to a uh, track and just have to talk to everyone. And like, because some of them, can get you somewhere right like the right connection can really get you somewhere and um i think uh it's very doable to go to europe hopefully you know next year would be really cool um otherwise um next year we're planning on doing a formula regional america's the whole championship and if we win that championship we can go to super formula which is in japan which is basically like formula two so a little higher than Formula 2, so that would be really, really cool. Right. Um, so there are a lot of plans, but just got to, you know, pick what I want to do. Of
0: course. So now in in the U.S., we have the, um and, I, and I, the name escapes me, uh, but it's basically the U.S. scholarship program. Yeah. And yeah. we, um I think we send two drivers over to the Formula Ford Festival every year And um, some of them have had really great success and gone on from there. Uh, Joseph Newgarden went and I think he won one of the big races and then came back. And now he's an IndyCar. Um, And uh, there's been several, several drivers that have gone on to careers out of that opportunity. Is there a similar program in Canada?
1: Yes, there is. It's a little different, like it's not as big as America because, It's just starting i think it started last year and the funniest part is i got invited to it so i signed up for it and did all that stuff and then i i was kind of confused that i was like they didn't really take me and i was like okay they took i think they took six other drivers one other girl and um and they did a formula 1600 shootout to see who's fastest or something and then the guy that wins that does the of Ford Festival. Got it, okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember if they actually went to the of Ford Festival. I'm really not sure what happened after that, but sure. it's not as big as here in the U.S. I know a guy that did it here in the U.S. Do you know Mackay Stephen.
0: I am familiar, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's doing SRO. Yeah, he he did the, the scholarship thing here.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, so... We had another guest on the show a while back who you may have met, uh, when you were racing at Buttonwillow and, uh, that's Austin Varco. Um, and and he decided just to go on vacation to England and went racing at Silverstone and I think brands hatch. And, um, he mentioned how actually easy it was. Let's put the money part aside. Um, yeah. To get um, to get your FIA license, which you now I'm sure you have because you went to race in India, so you've got yeah. that part out of the way. Um, but he just called up a couple of teams in 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 England and said, "I'm coming over and I'd like to rent a ride." And he did it in yeah. in a in their version of spec Miata. Um, but Formula Ford, as I'm sure you know, is just ginormous in England. I can't imagine that if you could put a little yeah. budget together, even to do a couple of weekends. Um, you know, you might get noticed and and that kind of thing. So, but it's always about the budget.
1: Oh yeah, it, it is really important. Like, you know, I don't want to say this right now, but I can if I put the budget together, I can go to indie Light. Well, I guess they call it now indie nxt.
0: Yeah, whatever so crazy I can, name I can they go there.
1: Next year if I get a budget together, and you know, the budget is so so crazy. Like just trying to find the money and all that stuff, and you know, Europe is actually very, like you said, it's easy, like, to find a team. Like, there's so many teams that want drivers. Like, right. we're looking for them. They're looking for young drivers as well. And, you know, I guess they're actually struggling to get good drivers. And they, yeah, it, it's easy to get into a the team there. But in America, it's really, it's hard on the flip.
0: Sure. Sure. I think there's a lot less opportunities here. Um, yeah. Than there are in Europe, as far as even the lower level series, there's just a just a huge um, number of different, you know, Formula Ford, F2, F3, Formula Renault, um, and, and probably Formula Voxel. I mean, there's just a bunch that I probably can't even name, um, and they're all looking for drivers. and And if you have the license and you've got it, you've got the check, you know, they'll they'll put you in the car. So um, yeah. that's uh, we, we don't have as many of those opportunities here. I don't think uh, in North America as they do over there. So, so yeah. we talked a little bit about having you know young young girls come up and and want to kind of talk to you and look look up to you. Um, I ran across something when I was doing research for this little podcast, and uh, it was you sitting next to a guy who I think a lot of our viewers and listeners would know, uh, and that was Lewis Hamilton. And uh, yeah. you had, uh, it was a sit-down kind of interview situation where they were talking about talking to you and talking to him. Um, first of all, how did that come about?
1: So because that uh, documentary that was filmed um, for State of Ben's Canada invited me to go to uh, the Montreal F1 Grand Prix last year. And they set up a whole thing um, that we'd be in their hospitality and all that stuff and their suites and stuff. And and then they set up an interview with me and Liz Nelson on PSN, which is like ESPN here. Right. And so uh, we actually, so the interview was planned for 30 minutes and it turned into one hour. Um, cool. And we just kept chatting. There was so much like, um, because his dad was actually there in the room with us. And uh, we really connected with our dads and we talked about, I actually mentioned um, that my parents drive, for 24 hours straight go down here to california from uh canada and um that they do it straight. so they switch every three hours they just switch and then uh he was like holy cow like that is crazy determination from your parents and because you know in europe it's really close so right. it's not used to here, that far and all that stuff and you know it's a really good conversation about like racing and uh because he is he's at the kind of, I wouldn't say the end of his career, but like near it. And he just wants to help younger drivers and new new drivers, I guess. And um, it was nice to hear all the things he had to say. So it was a great conversation.
0: So what was it like when you walk into that room, you shake his hand, whatever the first interaction is, starstruck a little?
1: Yeah. I was I was in shock. Like I don't know, at the moment, when I see things at the moment, I don't really realize what I'm doing and what there is in front of me until after, and then I get really shocked. I'm like, (laughs) what just happened? And I actually, so he walked in the room. We were in the hospitality suite, the Mercedes-Benz one, and um, he walked in the room. I got to shake his hand. I almost tripped on (laughs) like all the wires possible. (laughs) There are all the microphones. right? Yeah, I almost tripped them. Yeah, it it was funny, but... It was, uh, I was definitely shocked, like him. And I was like, Is that actually him. Like that's what he actually looked like in person up close. Right. But it was, it was really cool.
0: So you sat with him for an hour. Um, there was a, uh, a host interviewing the two of you. Um, what was your big takeaway from that? I know you guys talked about everything from getting started to nutrition yeah. and working out. There was just a ton of It was, it was a really, I watched the whole, I think they only posted a half hour. Um, Yeah. They probably, they probably edited it down, but I I saw the whole half hour and um, uh, I'm a little Lewis Hamilton fanboy by the way. So that was cool as well. But um, what was your big takeaway from that conversation?
1: I would say, you know, like how much I was really impressed and like surprised how much he wants to support women in racing, like he mentioned he was like um, that their team is actually growing with women. They're trying to get more women working for them, like, um, you know, data and all these things. Like, and I was like, that's really cool. Like, because uh, he mentioned that like Red Bull or Ferrari, they don't have any women. Like, I don't know about now, but like back then they didn't have many women working there and like supporting, but you know, just hearing that from him and uh, hearing, I guess I asked, I asked how to improve or what I asked something like that, and he said just to work hard and stay determined and you gotta keep going, don't give up basically. So, yep. no, I that away, and I think it was just at the end of the day, really good to talk to him, got really good connections, and yeah, it was a really cool. Interview.
0: All right, do you have his? Do you have his phone number in your phone?
1: Yeah, you wanted him.
0: No, well, yes, I. <laughs> so- I absolutely do want it. I wasn't expecting you to give it to me. I just want to know that he gave you the digits so that you can keep picking his brain. And...
1: No, I wish. I wish I had his number. <laughs>
0: oh, too, too cool. Too cool. Um, so as we get ready to kind of wrap up here, um, I'm sure you, a lot of people are involved in helping you do what you're doing. This is this is your shot to to thank everybody, and don't forget to thank mom and dad. Uh, but to thank your sponsors and, and whoever else is helping you. This this is your shot.
1: Honestly, I gotta thank my mom and dad first. They're they're every second and they're doing the most. Like I look at my coaches and stuff and I'm like really happy to have them there and all that stuff. But I still see it like my parents are more the determined. They just want it for me and they're doing so much. Like they're driving twenty four hours at a time and in the heat, you know, it's not warm here and um so I'd like to thank them a lot. And of course, my sponsors, I got Pharaoh, uh, which which is a brokerage company, at Colonial Countertop, Valley Kitchens, and Fast Time Amusement, um, and my coaches as well. Everyone that supports me, honestly, there's so many people. Of course, family, I would say is number one. So
0: Cool, cool. Um, last, uh, is mom and dad in the room there with you?
1: No, they're actually so, working on the car right now.
0: So you didn't even have to say that, and you said it.
1: Yes, I would always say <laughs> I'm So I wouldn't be here without them. They're partially my sponsors, so they're That's, very important people.
0: Absolutely cool. Absolutely cool. Um, I know you've got the whole F3 Americas that you're going to try to do next year. Um, um, how about with uh, any SECa stuff involved with that?
1: yeah, for sure we're trying to do a lot of SCCA, since Button our home track. we just do anything. we just take part of the garage. so yes, anything that's close by.
0: It is hardcore folks when your home track is a twenty four hour motor home drive from home. yeah, that's uh that's a big deal. So Nicole, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, just such an impressive um person, y- young person, old person, just you've got everything together. Um, I've seen you drive and your, your future is very, very bright. Uh, hopefully, you, we will find, uh, you will find the right people to give you the right opportunities. Um, and uh, it, please keep me posted on what's going on. Shoot me an email so I can update folks. Um, and uh, when you've got fun stuff to talk about, we'll get you back on the podcast and keep in touch. How's that?
1: For sure. Thank you so much. All
0: right. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, I've got uh, another guest coming on here. Uh, someone who, if you pay attention to our podcast network, you will know. uh, We'll have that all coming up next. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, that didn't take long. We're back on Inside. The SECa Brian Volansky here. Let me take those graphics down. Uh, joining me now is is Kerry Rouse. Uh, he is uh, coming to us from somewhere. You're, Kerry, you're like where, where in the world is Carbon Santiago? Because every time I look up, you are in a different spot. Um, where where are you sitting tonight in the in the driven to compete uh, world headquarters? Uh, yeah, in the mobile. Uh
2: communication center here <laughs> i am at bristol motor speedway and um one of the 700 watts they have here um and i i'm surrounded by at the moment a bunch of pro solo competitors in the scca um by tomorrow or friday added to that list will be a just uh, just solo competitors not pro solo competitors right CCA. and then Thursday maybe um tomorrow we're gonna start having um drag race fans and racers coming in because there's a drag strip here right and our parking lot's essentially connected to that as well um so yeah I'm gonna be around a lot of fans here
0: in Bristol Tennessee so is that not that I don't want to talk about the SCCA event, but is the drag race is that like an NHRA, like a big NHRA event, or it's just one of their local drag events? Uh, it's a big one. Um, my understanding is so
2: there's a there's a there's a term I think there's a it's called like brake pedal or something like that type of drag racing. Okay, and it's only with cars with doors, so it's not the big open sure. wheel dragsters. Right, right, but. This is supposed to be the largest of its type in the in the world tomorrow, starting Thursday. Wow! So hundreds and hundreds of vehicles uh, are going to be here competing. About nine hundred, I think.
0: And and the SCCA is doing their autocross solo stuff right in the same area. So yeah, there's, yeah. There's... Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 have uh, we'll have the sound of engines from both sides. Um, I, I've always thought the. the one of the things that the SCCA should look into doing as much as possible is finding events and, and partnering with maybe other organizations so that our events kind of run alongside with some other people's events, a great opportunity for people to discover us who might not know that what we do and what we're doing. So this is a perfect example of something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, there 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 may be fans from the drag racing that come down and check out the autocross and then vice versa as well. I'll be doing both, so... Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the uh, the event uh, that you've got going on, the SCCA event. There's a pro solo and a solo. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know the difference, fill us in.
2: Yeah. So for the pro solo, which is going to be happening over the next two days, is a situation where you have two cars taking on a course at the exact same time, and they're supposed to be mirrors of each other. Sometimes they're not perfect mirrors. But the way that they make it fair is you line up. There's a Christmas tree that lights up, and you can't go too early, otherwise your run doesn't count. So, but obviously the faster you are to that to that tree lighting up and being right on the dot, and um, you do the whole course, right, and then come back to the beginning and swap positions. And so you end up doing, uh, you're doing that, you're doing each side three times over a period of about a day and a half. Right. And, and, and so you flip flop. And the way that they calculate your, uh, your winning time is they take your best time on the left and your best time on the right, regardless of what day it happens, add them together. And that's what you're playing with. And, um, you know, there's, there's a class competition. So there's, um, within your class, you can win your class. Sure. But at the end, there's, there's bracketing where they take, I think there's a, there's one for women and there's one that's a, a random draw. And then there's one where the 32 fastest cars, regardless of class are put head to head in a, an elimination Types of format. So you have a single winner. Now, even though you kind of have bragging rights and you've won certain things along the way during competition, uh, all the competitors are really looking for points. Got it. And those points will be um, added together throughout the season, the points that you've earned during the the national championships, which you also get points there. And then you're going to have an overall winner. Or, you know,
0: based on points right, points. right. So I, you, I guess you probably couldn't have picked a better event to be next door to than a drag race because essentially pro solo is a drag race with left and right turns. Yeah, it's, um, if you think about that compared
2: to, you know, just a regular solo event, which right. is going to be happening Saturday and Sunday, you have, you also have a total of six runs total but they have two different configurations of the track so you do three runs on one configuration the next day they change the track sometimes it just means going backwards right which is a different track and you run it three times and then um you add all those times together so you don't want to dnf you you want to make sure that you add all those times together and um, that's going to be your time, and that's what you're judged on. And it's kind of like a winner take all um, format. But yeah, it's you're out there by yourself, right? Right. But with with a pro solo, you can see it of the courier eye. They're they're going to be at the right spot when you cross that finish line. There should be close, and you want to beat that person across the finish line. So it's that added. Um, sense of competition right and then also just the added skill and pressure associated with that christmas tree because you want to be quick but if you're too quick you're disqualified for that run. right
0: right and it's kind of interesting because you know most solos are um one course for the weekend um and with the pro solo they're are mirror courses but it's the it's when you're going right on the first course, you're going left on the second course and it's almost having to learn Well, it is having to learn a different way to do it. And, in and, and that's kind of an interesting challenge as well. Yeah. It, it, both of them
2: kind of have, uh, you know, the pro solo, you're going to have a left and a right. And yes, it's a different course because it's a mirror. Right. And um, you see, so you'll have, but they don't change it. Like once they set up the mirrored courses, they don't change it right. for the for the time, whereas it, it, in the solo event, they have the option of completely changing it right. from one to the other. And um, you, uh, my understanding is you, you really only get to walk the track for each of the new configurations sure. or the regular solo event. And you can also walk for the pro solo, but, but it's not... Um, You know, because it's not changing then you know typically the second day you'll see a lot better chimes from folks
0: right well that's a couple reasons for that one because there's rubber down on the track that's usually very helpful um but you've also been through the course a couple of times so um um that's that's pretty pretty common so that's pretty cool so um we're, we're gonna have you on another podcast here in a couple of weeks to really dig deep into driven to compete which uh uh, for folks who are, are friends of the show here, uh, and for folks who, who are listening on the Racing Wire Podcast Network, not on the YouTube channel, um, the Driven to Compete is now one of our offerings on the podcast channel, um, uh, along with, uh, with the uh, Women's Motorsports Network's uh, podcast as well. I'm really happy uh, to have both you and Melinda uh, as part of the team now. And, and that's pretty cool. And since you do some of your stuff at SCCA events, we're going to bring you on uh, whenever it makes sense to, if you're at an event to kind of give us by be my roving reporter on scene and, um, and do that. So we're going to do that. W- where is the next time we're going to connect? I think we, I know we set the t- date already. I just don't remember where it's going to be.
2: Uh, the next SCCA event, I believe is going to be the Ozarks. Okay. Um, That's not, it's about, it's
0: two weeks away, I think, right? Yeah, it's about two weeks away. Yeah, two or three yeah. weeks away. So we'll do that. And that we're gonna do a whole podcast about driven to compete, how you got involved. Uh and for those who might not know, uh is uh, Carrie's a B Spec driver taking taking a season of B Spec off. Do you think you're coming back to B Spec next year? Well, it, it it all depends on money. Sure.
2: And 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 I will absolutely be back if all that stuff if all that lines up. Cool. Uh I love, I love racing and be spec. I love the community.
0: So if you, if you want more of this content, listen to driven to compete. And, uh, I will also put in the show notes, the, uh, link to the YouTube channel, just like we do here. Now, uh, Kerry does his shows, both video and audio, and, uh, we'll get you links to, to both of those, uh, here in the show notes. So you can check him out as well. Uh, Kerry, have fun. Uh, don't don't be too hot in Bristol. I know Bristol this time of year can be a little humid. Um, enjoy it, and uh, and we'll connect in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of Inside the Seca. If you like what you see or what you've heard, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel or subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network. Uh, we have new episodes every Wednesday on YouTube and every Friday on the podcast network. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If not, go put a comment on someone else's page. Uh, our socials, uh, it's RacingWireNet on Twitter. You can check us out there. I'm Brian Bolanski. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cards. Hi, I'm Dorsey Schrader, and this is Inside the Seca. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.